one of the most unique literary experiences I have ever had. It's like your brilliant, mad philosopher, drunk on classy wine, not box wine, nice wine. Near to the Wild Heart by Clarice Lispector, sweeping up several awards the year it was released. I will put them up on the screen. I want to start with a spoiler-free chat for those that haven't checked out this book or considering checking out this book, because after you read it, you're going to be like, what did I what did I just read? And and let's talk about it. Oh, we're going to enjoy this one. <laughs> Welcome to the Codex Cantina, where I am Una. And I want to be the Spector Crypto. <laughs> we take a conversational approach to discussing and understanding the literature that we read. If that sounds like you, make sure you hit that subscribe button to join us on the journey. And as always, we start off with publication information. The book was written from March to November 1942, but it was finally published in 1943. There are two different translations, Giovanni Pontiero, and the NDP is translated by Allison and which translator you decide matters. I actually have both of the English translations. I read this along with Ross from Scaladandling about the books and Alan from Big Hard Books and Classics. And we came to some translation questions. So I reached out to our friend Igor. Thank you very much, Igor, for helping us out. We've got the Pontiero title for a chapter, One Day. The New Directions title is called The Mother. How the hell do you get the difference between these two translations? <laughs> Our Brazilian friend Igor, thank you again, says that in Portuguese, it says um dia, which is clearly the Pantiero title, right? Now, in this chapter, this is what brought this up. She's talking about her mother. No spoilers, really. But she says, I thought of her. She was the devil. His friend laughed. Yes, she is the devil. And that's from the Pantiero version, okay? Now, from the NDP translation, which we got on the Kindle, at that moment, I thought of her. What the hell? The friend laughed. Hell, indeed. And that is a huge difference to say she was the devil as opposed to what the hell. Our friend helped translate it to us in Portuguese. It says, era o diabo, which is clearly she was the devil. So again, the Pontiero version, very literal in how it translated some of these things that we spot-checked, and the NDP tended to be a little bit looser. Now, Moser claims that he did this uh, to kind of help voicing stay the same, but I wonder if it got a little bit too loose at some points for how I would have preferred a translation to go. Maybe just take that into consideration. Maybe the other version makes more sense in English. Just want you guys to have that information when choosing a translation here. Yeah, that's something huge to point out. And again, we were really known all this great information. So thank you again to Igor for helping us out. Now, what's sad, though, is regardless of what version you choose, 23-year-old Clarice Lispector saw no money, regardless whether you've been in the original version or not. She basically got 100 copies of the 1,000 prints to send wherever she wanted. And that's all that she got. If there was any profit, they kept it, she's quoted as saying. Kind of fits with the theme of the novel too, right? I mean, that she was the female voice that was breaking out. It's a book that kind of swept through the Brazilian intelligentsia. We have a quote from a journalist that said, we have no memory of a more sensational debut. So she really was creating the voice for Brazil in this. And if you are new to Clarice Lispector, yes, she was Ukrainian born, but she will tell you and fight you to the death that she is Brazilian and Brazil owned her. Yeah, she definitely was fiercely prideful of kind of her Brazilian upbringing. There is one passage in the story, it's like in the first chapter, right? That just, it nails Clarice Lispector perfectly. 
It's this worm story. This young girl is telling her daddy. She goes, Daddy, I've made up a poem. What's it called? The Sun and I. With only a slight pause, she recited, The hens who are in the yard have eaten two worms, but I didn't see them. Well, what do the sun and you have to do with the poem? She looked at him for a moment. He hadn't understood. The sun is above the worms, Daddy, and I made the poem and I didn't see the worm. And I think that basically summarizes Clarice Lispector is that what she's talking about isn't really what you should be focusing on, right? It's the sun or, or people's reactions to things that really is where the value in the conversation is with Clarice. Well, I think it comes a lot to perspective as well, and that a lot of people want to hypercritically analyze something. And she says, you don't have to do that for every single thing. And I think that comes to kind of what I think is with the themes of this book. We've got, you know, a lot of playing with rebellious freedom. We've got a meditation on form, and we've got a lot of faith or lack thereof in this. But I don't think you're going to find two critics that agree. It's a lot like trying to ask a jazz musician to recreate another jazz performer's performance. They're going to sound different. There's going to be similar thematic elements between these two performances. But even one jazz performer performing his own musical uh, interpretation is going to be different because it is so unique. And that is just where the value of Clarice is, is it's literary jazz. Not to like be funny about or anything, but I think that Near to the Wild Heart is a very emotional book. Again, no pun intended, that this is almost like poetry. It's meant to make you feel more than anything else. And Clarice is the best at that. Well, and to an extent, many critics will kind of point out and argue that Joanna is Clarice. Clarice is Joanna and to an extent Lydia in this story too. You have these two sides of Clarice where she's being the ambassador's wife traveling around the world and, and trying to be polite. And then you have that wild side of her that wants to explode and escape and run free. And I think we kind of see that with the story, the story following Joanna on a story of where she's entering into this world with with freedom with rebellious wildness to her almost like an animal with no expectations of of what society is telling her she needs to have for her morals or standards and then all of a sudden she starts getting caged by all these things that is this story in a nutshell and that is clarice in a nutshell 100 percent agree yeah she did a fictional biography. So the last thing I want to talk about here is this title, because people love to point out near to the wild heart is a line straight out of a portrait of the artist as a young man by James Joyce. And what happened was her friend Lucio Cardoso recommended the title to her and it absolutely infuriated her to no end when people kept comparing her this to Joycean works or to Virginia Woolf, where... I think the way critics faced it was that she was emulating them. When when that's not what Clarice was doing at all. She was actually even as quoted as saying, I didn't know Joyce or Virginia Woolf or Proust when I wrote the book. And there actually is some evidence of someone having a, a receipt of her purchasing some of these works after the publication of this book. She was more influenced by Mansfield, but it just so happened this book is Clarice. She wasn't emulating or trying to be a part of some modernist or postmodernist movement. This just was Clarice's writing. And I think she didn't like being put into that box because it was literally a, a, a cut and paste of her soul put into the words on this book. I know that I felt kind of a little guilty after learning that 
because I didn't know any of that information. And after reading this story, I thought to myself, I said, wow, this is kind of like the Brazilian female portrait. And when you told me that, I was like, wow, that's really crazy that she was so vehement about being compared to Joyce. And I thought, I thought that was kind of like a compliment in a certain way. But to her, it obviously wasn't. Well, I, I think it is. And I, and I agree with your statement. I really do. But I think it's just a matter of positioning of she wasn't emulating. She was this movement. You know what I mean? Like she wasn't trying to be a part of the movement. This movement just so happened to exist in her when it came out. Yeah, and I think that it's fine to say that she was a definitive author all on her own, and you don't need to compare her to Wolf or Joyce, that Lespector is Lespector, and that's something in itself, and other people are now compared to her. Come join the literary jazz show called Lespector, right? And <laughs> we love it. This is just, this is a must experience. You need to read her at some point in your life. All right, Crypto, we are going to move into our wrap-up and ratings. Let's do this real quick. What are you going to give this one? I think we've gushed enough over her. Uh, if I had to put a number to this, which I think is kind of unfair, uh, we've read some amazing novels on this channel and over the course of my life I have as well. Uh, if I've got to give it a number, 9.5, 9.8, 9.9, I mean, it's got to go in top 10 something. <laughs> Incredible. Read this. Read this book. You're, you're going to enjoy it. Yeah, something something unique happened while reading this book, and I don't know what it was. I really don't. It was a 9.5 for me, so definitely recommended for you guys to check it out. If you guys are down for awesome literature and discussions like this, please make sure you guys hit that subscribe button to follow us on this journey. We post videos every Monday and Thursday. If that sounds like something that you're interested in, we look forward to talking to you down in the comments down below. Una out. Peace.